Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic Show, TalkZone.com, the big dog, the coach, and we're going three-way today, a rare moment in time in the studio, the young kid out of the University of Missouri, Jack Washer in the house, plenty to talk about national championship college football final. Finally, the collegiate football season has come to an end, unless you're excited about, uh, well, we got the East-West Shrine game coming up in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I got the West, and I'm giving up six points, but that's a whole other story. NBA basketball, Bulls got a big tilt tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm not being sarcastic about that. I'm actually looking forward to that game. We got baseball, Hall of Fame to talk about, sports guys talk, politics in New Hampshire, primaries are today. We got all kinds of stuff going on, including David Olsa, producer extraordinaire there other side of the glass plenty to talk about unfortunately young jack washer they only give us one hour to do this show i think it's a crime that we're limited to one hour that's terrible 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 thing could you you know i've tried talking to management they won't listen to me any chance you could go in and talk to the uh general manager the uh not the commissioner what do we call him the the, the head honcho? Yeah, right? I, I, oh, I'm sorry, the commander-in-chief, Chris Whitting. Maybe you could go in and he would listen to you. We need Two hours would be good, no? Uh, two hours would be better. It would be a lot better yeah. than one hour. You know, so i got to be about. quite honest with you. He's definitely not busy, Coach. Who, Jack <laughs> or the fact, commander? When, when we went in to see the commander-in-chief the other day, yes, he was like, hey, well, can I help you guys with anything else? Please come sit down. He was He was rather helpful. So it is, please go in there and speak with him. I think he's lonely. It, I, I agree with you. Huge office, too. Huge office and doesn't seem to be doing much. Have you noticed, Big Dog, in, your, in the work at Ed Jack, you could use this as an example, the bigger the office, the less the work that gets done? Have you noticed that? Yes, I, I have noticed that, especially if there's a couch in that office. By the way, he has a corner office without a window. You explain that one, Coach. <laughs> Not so cool. Oh, Big Dog, say hello. I don't know if you've been on before, but uh, he's one of our regular co-hosts, uh, or irregular, as some people like to call him. But say hello to my good friend uh, from the University of Missouri, Mr. Jack Washer. What's up, Jack? Not much. How, how are you? Well, uh, I'm glad we didn't talk like two weeks ago. I would want to slap you around a little bit. I am a diehard Illinois fan, and I know you got bragging rights, but uh, i, I got to be quite honest with you. You guys have one of the best basketball teams in the country that nobody's talking about right now is Missouri Tigers. You yeah, got yourself one of the best head coaches in basketball. Yeah, in we, did, we just hit a little bump in the road though on Saturday, but you know, I, yeah, I like the team. Yeah, you guys lost by a hundred to Kansas State. Was that it? Yeah, it was. It was not good. Yeah. It was not good. Inexcusable defeat, and I think the coach is on the hot seat after that particular loss. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that guy. I gotta tell you, so he's an up and comer. I like him a lot more than his his uh, what do you call it? His uh, the guy that taught him his uh, his Ma- mentor. Mentor. Yeah, Nolan Richardson. He can just he can go suck his thumb and go sit in the corner. As far as I'm concerned. So you but are. So you're a. So you're a hater. Yes, I am. I'm a Nolan Richardson hater. I guess you. Can no, 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 no. I'm talking about the head coach of Missouri. You're a hater. No, I. Oh, is that what they call him? Did well, isn't like his Mike last Hader? name? What's his last name? No, Haith? it's uh, Frank Haith. Uh, he, Haith. So you're uh, a hater. It was Mike Anderson that uh, was uh, the mentor for Nolan Richardson. He's now back at Arkansas. We had Mike oh, Anderson last year, and then he left for more money. Slash, he wanted to be back. Yeah. They got a new coach. And then Frank Haith 
took That's the guy well, from I've Miami. I'm extremely busy, Jack, so I'm glad you're here to inform me <laughs> on Missouri basketball. That's why I called you a hater. It's Frank Haith from the University of Miami. And by the way, we got to talk college football. College hoop is not going to be first and foremost, but now that we brought it up, and Jack Washer, I, I see if you agree with me, I think arguably one of the top five college hoops games of the year is being played today, and I went through the TV listings, and I was shocked and dismayed. And, Big Dog, you know how I hate to be shocked and dismayed on a Tuesday. But Baylor at Kansas State. K-State, 12-2, and coming off a big win over Missouri, undefeated Baylor. At K-State, the Wildcat fans will be going I think it's one of the top games, not on TV. Yeah, you, know, well, you, it, you know what's funny, Coach, is you know, we always complain about well, you don't, but I've complained about the East Coast bias. Well, people in, like, uh, Midwestern America complain about like Chicago and Big Ten bias because the Ohio State Illinois game is going to be on instead. So take that. <laughs> Are you with me? You feel free to say no, Jack. But I, I think that's going to be just an unbelievable game in a great atmosphere. Oh yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. You know, uh, Kansas State proves that they're a team. You now they beat Missouri pretty handedly at home, and you know Baylor's really good. You know, they got a lot of athletes on that team. But I think it should be a good game. But unfortunately, there's like predetermined TV scheduling that prevents you know they don't think that this is going to be a good game yeah i kind of like what oh, missouri played baylor yet uh no they play them like the first week i get back all right but yeah, yeah that's uh yeah you know you, you hit it right on the the head jack it's that it's that predetermined uh last like right when they the, the schedules come out they pick this stuff out six months in advance so illinois ohio state was going to be on no matter how good illinois was going to be everybody knew how good ohio state was going to be well, I could I could live with Illinois Ohio State being on, but uh, some of the other games, big dog. Let me let me give you the quick perusal here. I don't know why the hell okay. we're talking college football. So many other things to go over here. But you got Vanderbilt at South Carolina. The okay. women's matchup is the Villanova Wildcats women's team takes on Marquette. Uh, you've got University of Seattle taking on Washington. Florida State at Virginia Tech. Come on, give me a little Baylor at K State. The game of the day. Uh, who's it? Quincy AC? Is that the kid's name? Quincy AC? Yeah, for Baylor. Yep. Oh my goodness, that kid is electric. Without yeah. question, top five player you want to watch in college basketball. You're exactly right. Just for the TV ratings, just to watch this kid yeah. jump around and dunk. That's that all he was, does, uh, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> over over 50% of his baskets <clears throat> in his college career are dunks. Wow. That, that doesn't surprise me, Coach. It really doesn't. <laughs> He also looks like he looks like he's like 36 years old. Doesn't yeah. He? yeah. Well, no, no, he's only 34. Give him a break, Coach. <laughs> So, hey, guys, you know, since you have Jack in in the office, and, you, Jack, you seem to be doing a phenomenal job, let's talk about college football, then I'm going to be on my way. Because right now as we speak, and I'm not making this up, I have a T-shirt on. I am sitting in front of the Mont- or standing in front of the Montgomery Ward building on the Chicago River, Uh-oh. right next to it. It's a sheet of glass, and my girlfriend is coming down. We're going to paddle on the river today in a kayak on January. What is the date, fellas? Is it the 9th? The 10th. It's the 10th. It's January 10th, Coach, and I will be on the Chicago River kayaking. This is going to be phenomenal. I swear to you, I'm in a T-shirt walking right. in jeans along the river. This oh, is, I can't explain goodness. how beautiful it is out right now. I'm just glad, David Olson, that he said jeans because, I, you know, you kept emphasizing you're wearing a T-shirt. I was I was hoping there was additional clothing items beyond the T-shirt, Big Dub, because... i got to be quite honest with you, Coach. I really I do want to go free balling it right now, but I do need this job <laughs> this April coming up. Uh, so, hey, if anybody's predicting the end of the world, you know, I keep on saying they're lunatics, they're crazy. But, hey, if it's going to go, might as well go out with a bang. This is the freaking greatest January I could ever remember, Coach. And for someone who doesn't drive, Jack, trust me, 
walking in nasty weather is horrible. So <laughs> I, I'm pretty happy man right now. Well, I, we pr- mm-hmm. probably it's a tragic story, but we should probably uh, mention a couple words to you, Big Dog. You're not aware who the new Missouri coach is. You might not be aware of the story. Does Mike Philbin mean anything to you at this, this point? This is horrible, coach. This is this is really really horrible. And if if you're walking out on ice. I was going to say. And anywhere in North America right now, be extremely careful. Because this story is its absolutely tragic. Uh, is it, it's been confirmed that it is the son of the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, hasn't it? Yep. Okay, because they, at first they didn't want to release it. They were just fearing that it was. So it, what's his name? Mike Philbin was the young man. He fell through ice last night, ice fishing with some of his friends. He's 21 years old. Yes. So you, you think... Trying to figure out a scheme to beat the New York Giants front four is difficult. Trying to figure out dealing with the – you just lost your son. My goodness, has that got to be horrible. That's good. I appreciate the warning, Big Doe. Well spoken, well thought of, hopefully taken to heart by all the young uh, ice fishermen out there. But didn't he just say he's about to go on the on the Chicago River with his girlfriend? Well, it sounds like he's doing some daring, but you know, I, I respect that. <laughs> Hold on I mean, a second, it's... Coach. Hold on a second. I'm going in a kayak, Okay. Uh, and I am a professional kayaker. I get paid to do it. And let's just say I went, you know, I went over 250 tours last year. I never flipped my kayak. I don't think I'm going to start today. It's a lot different than being on ice in the middle of a, uh, I think it was a river or was it a lake that he fell in? I'm not, I'm not saying he was dumb or anything like that. I'm just other people. You got to be careful on ice, especially <laughs> when temperatures are in the fifties. That's true. That's All true. Right. It's been an extremely yeah. warm January. So the river is not frozen yet, I'm assuming, based on the uh, fact no, that you're... Coach, it is, like, I, I want to repeat this again. It is absolutely yeah. gorgeous out right now. If you're standing in the sun, you're fine. Because actually, taking the kayak out on the frozen river, that'd be pretty cool, too. Well, it wouldn't go very fast, I'll tell you that much. Well, yeah, it would, as long as you got someone pushing from behind. Push! You know, you I give you a push, you're like... Flying down, then you have somebody else give you. It actually could be a quality recreational pursuit. You know, it's funny is I told the, my boss here, Charlie Portis, who owns Water Riders, that I was going out. Waterriders.com. Like, oh, be, be careful, and I'm like, be careful. There's, we'll be the only boat out there. There is no. This is going to be the easiest day of paddling I will ever have in my entire life. But it's funny, just because it says January 10th, everybody's like, oh, be careful. When it was October 15th and it was 33 degrees out and raining, and we were going out, nobody said anything to me. They were laughing. Oh, you're tough. Well, now in January, I'm crazy when this is one of the nicest days I've ever paddled on, period. This, this, honestly, this will be the safest day I'll ever go out. Yeah, well, you, you tell Charlie, and I know you're, you've got a seasonal job. You're looking to make it full-time. I just came up with the idea that could make it full-time. Winter kayaking on the frozen Chicago River. You get a dude in ice skates to push the kayak, you know, and you could probably, with one good push, get a solid 50 or 75 yards. You could still do the tours. You could still people put people in the kayak. You get all the pleasure of the kayak and the tour and the architecture and the beauty of Chicago without any of the pain of paddling. You don't have to worry about tipping over. I think that this this could be a year-round suggestion, Big Dog, and all I ask for is 10% of the proceeds. Yeah, okay, and that, that might be the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Why? Well, the river would have to freeze first, and that has never happened. So what? that would that would that would be <laughs> that would have that be an issue. The river doesn't freeze. It's a river, Coach. It doesn't freeze. Why can't rivers freeze? Because they move. It's moving water. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you ever seen the Chicago River freeze? Jack, you see all the fun of the show that you're missing while you're at college. I'm sorry, Jack. Wait a minute. You're telling me rivers? I will give the show back to Jack Watcher. He's only on so often. Lakes freeze, but rivers do not. 
the, when rivers freeze, I mean, you're like an Antarctica coach. I, I honestly, I, I, I can't say this wholeheartedly. I'm just guessing. I don't know it was like scientifically. I'm yes, speaking sir. out of my rear end as I say this. I don't think the Chicago River has ever frozen. Interesting. At least in the, since the last ice age 10,000 years ago. Yes, David. You will get chunks of ice in the river, uh-huh. but it will never freeze completely solid. But the lake will. That yes. makes totally sense. Yes, yes that so makes total sense. Once again, for all the young fans out there, we always say, you know, we're entertaining, but more importantly, informational show here. Lakes can freeze. Rivers seldom will. And Big Dog, don't forget getting back to the kidney and the liver just to make sure we got it straight. You have two kidneys and one liver. Is that correct? Yeah, and if I keep on drinking like I did last night during the football game, right. I will have zero livers. And five kidneys. So, because, yeah. so if you <laughs> so if you are going to donate an organ, though, you want to donate a kidney, not a liver, because once you again, you do not two... want to donate your liver. Okay? okay, see what I'm working with here, Jack. How about I just ask Jack? Was Alabama's defensive performance last night the greatest defensive performance in the history of a college football championship game? It was everything I wanted to see. You know, I thought LSU would put up more of a fight, but you know. Alabama played a very, very complete football game. Um, the most complete football game against an LSU team that in the past, you know, they've gone down, but they've had a spark, you know, whether it be a defensive touchdown, a defensive, you know, uh, turnover, or the Honey Badger taking one back to the house on a punt return. Nothing happened like that last night. You know, Alabama played, they executed their game plan to perfection. The most complete game I think I've ever seen. This year, and possibly in my in my lifetime, but it was, was it was phenomenal. The utter dominance in, in that game. I was going to ask this. I'm not blaming LSU's defense because I thought they played a pretty gutty performance. They kept bowing up, kept bowing up, kept bowing up, especially put in bad situations. But the only way I can describe LSU's offensive performance was passionless and totally, I don't know, like uninventive. Are you kidding Thank me? You. How? They couldn't come up with a play to fool Alabama's defense whatsoever, and everybody's walking around with their head down and their thumb up their butt. It's a national championship game. How many times do you get to play in this game and nobody on their offense cared? They didn't give a lick. They went out there on their first series, found out, you know what, this defense is better than us, and I swear to you, they were just like, I hope the defense can bail us out because there's no way we can win this game. And and then about an hour later, it was confirmed, and you knew LSU had – it was 15 and nothing. And whoever wrote this in the in the sometimes they said it felt like thirty five to nothing, and I think that pretty much sums it up when it was fifteen to nothing. I was like, "There's no chance they're coming back. This game is over." Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I was kind of you know they uh, had a uh, LSU's backup quarterback Jarrett Lee who played in the first game against Alabama, and you know I was just kind of mentioning it to a couple of my buddies last time, like, "Why don't they put him in?" You know, he won you yeah, six games. He beat a top ranked team in Oregon in a neutral environment. Yeah, he didn't play well against Alabama, but you know you're not gonna, you know, you might as well try him out. It's the last game of the year; you got nothing to lose. You're down fifteen to nothing. You haven't crossed midfield yet. You know, it, obviously the game plan's not working. You know, you're you're absolutely right, and I'm not always one that says pull the trigger. And and coach, you love the quarterback change, and you'll do it in a heartbeat. But I want I want to tell you this, and this is something I have seldom said in my life, and and I mean this: Jordan Jefferson played afraid. He dropped two snaps. How do you drop a snap? And then he came back and was yelling at the center, keep your hand underneath the center. The guy's reaching out, blocking a 360-pound dude in the in the A-gap, and you pull out your hands and you're yelling at the center. That was, it was ridiculous. Then he dropped another snap later in the game. And every time on the option, Jack, I don't know how much you played uh, football, but 
when you're the quarterback, you had, uh, the, Kirk Herbstreit brought it up perfectly when he was attacking Upshaw as the as the quarterback on the option. He pitched immediately, and Upshaw was able to make the tackle on the guy in the pitch. That's that's you can't do this. It happened one time. It's too many times. He played afraid. He was afraid he was going to get hit by Upshaw. So he kept pitching early. If he would have taken one or two more steps, it draws the Alabama defense to him. And when he pitches on the option, guess what? It hits. But he played mm. completely afraid. Last I'm, night. I'm not going to totally agree with you on that last point. I think the option was not there to be had. Maybe well, because, a, maybe well, a little bit. The quarterback was pitching immediately. You got uh, you, you have to take some abuse as a quarterback on the option against a great defense. Let's lay it out there. And he was he never got hit once on the option because he just pitched immediately, Coach. Well, again, I, I saw it a little bit different, but I'm not going to ticky-tack with you. For the most part, I completely agree with you. It was a pitiful offensive performance. No energy, no creativity. Like you said, no adjustments. I thought Lovey Smith was coach of the team. I thought some of our old bare offensive coordinators come out in the second half with a different plan. Same old, yeah. same old. To me, it was clearly obvious, Jack Washer, early. That the screens, the uh, the quick little flare-outs were not going to work. The option was not going to work. Running up the middle was not. The only way they were going to beat Alabama is throw the freaking ball down the field. And if you have to, you bring go to shotgun and let Jarrett Lee fling the foot. But that was the only way they were going to loosen up Alabama. Yeah, that's what I think. you got to take a shot. You know, Even if you throw an interception, throw it downfield. Yes. You know? Show your... You know, fans, show, you know, show everybody, show the defense that you're willing to extend the field. You know, if you got Alabama creeping everybody up like 15, 20 yards, you know, from the line of scrimmage and in, and you're, that's all you're doing is dinking and dunking. They're going to be all over that. If you got to extend the field, you know, I think Tim Tebow did I was just the gonna best say example of this. He, you know, you got eight guys in the box. So he, you know, his intelligent mind is thinking, I got one-on-one coverage, whoever I'm throwing to. I'm not a great passer, but, you know, if I got one-on-one coverage, I like my odds. Get rid of NFL it. Receivers. You know, I haven't seen Jack for three months. We're thinking alike. I swear to you, Big Doe, right as he said that, I was thinking the same thing. Take the playbook for the Denver Broncos and the way they were being defended. Yep. They could have done the same thing. And, and you know what? They were, they're totally afraid of Drake uh, Kirkpatrick, which I understand, you know, he either him or Tyron Matthews is the best cornerback in America. Attack the other kid then. You know what I'm saying? They were like, everybody's in a one-on-one matchup. So I know you don't want to get intercepted by Kirkpatrick. Well, throw the ball to the other guy. You know what? They basically came home from a gunfight from a, a two with two six pistols, right, Coach? And they had 11 bullets left. That's a, They're like, hey, we just went to the national title game, and we didn't even mm-hmm. give an effort offensively to try to win. They They had no big play attempts at all in the game. So they play not to lose, and guess what happened? They got absolutely hammered because of it. Uh, you loosen up the defense, guys. You're exactly right, Coach. I always harp and chirp about it all the time that you have to run the ball. And what I mean by that is, I don't mean you have to run it all the time. You just have to run it effectively. So on third and two, you know, a team has to fear that you might run it instead of pass it. Well, on first down, if you run the ball every single time on first down, what ends up happening is you're in third and long, especially against Alabama's defense and. On first down is when you have to take an attempt down the field and stretch a defense because if you don't do it then, you know, you're going to be I – mean, how often was it third and 11 and third and 15 last night? It was un, it was unbelievable. The only time they passed the 50, they ended up on the other side of the 50 when the drive was done. Isn't that amazing in a football game? Final score, 21 nothing. Alabama shutting out LSU. Are you ready to say uh... – Clearly, Alabama, the number one team in the country, Big Dog, or does Missouri deserve some votes? 
Uh, Missouri definitely deserves a couple votes. And I'm going to say this just for the simple fact is that I do not like the system. I would still vote for LSU if I obviously the BCS championship. They Alabama deserves a crystal ball. Okay, yeah. they got it. They backed into the national title game. They and they dominated the title game. I would still give LSU the what? AP championship. Why? Quite simply, coach, because I don't like the system and the way. Why does why does LSU not deserve? Uh, a slice of the national championship Oof. for basically during the regular season, dominating and going 13-0 and and having the best regular season in the history of college football. Yeah, but boxing. if you look at the body of work of both teams throughout the course of the season, both teams end out with a loss, one loss, and you watch that last game and it's hard to put LSU. Jack, if you had a vote, maybe you do. Are you one of the few, uh, <laughs> you are not a voter yet? They, the... they didn't call me, but um, I'm going to have to say that you know, while LSU played, had a great year, you know, very dominating. You know, the, you know, Alabama's one loss, which was to LSU at home in overtime. Remember, it was a 9-6 game. You know, I felt that game was kind of like a draw. People were waiting for it to end, mm-hmm. you know. Alabama missed four field goals, a lot of them chip shots. Um, you know, and it's, yeah, I mean, like, not saying that, you know, like they were talking about, like, Alabama's defense played spectacular during that game. The kicking game lost it for them, you know? And last night, Alabama flat out dominated LSU. Offense, defense, special teams. 21 nothing, no doubt about it. You know, I wouldn't want a rematch. I clear, clearly Alabama showed that they were better, you know? <coughs> you know, cause honestly, taking the first game, I consider that a wash. You know, LSU did win, you know, on mm-hmm. a game winning like 20 yard field goal, but you know, last night proved Alabama, number one team in the country, hands down. And all of America saw it. Mm-hmm. Still, Big Dog, <laughs> having said that, they still, correct me if I'm wrong, they still only scored one touchdown, Alabama. Yeah, it was like the Trent Richardson touchdown. So one, it took 115 minutes of them playing together before a touchdown was scored. <laughs> and that's not including the overtime where no touchdowns were scored in the first game. Yeah. Because was, that was our untimed possession. So we it, can it, say it was, it was a do- dominant. Jack is right. Alabama is better than LSU. I, and I mean this 99% of the reason why I give LSU the vote is because I do not like this system and I want to. Uh, Alabama is going to win the national title. Everybody knows that. So my vote would only be to give a little bit of acknowledgement to why does LSU have to play a team they already beat in a division mm-hmm. that they already won, which is ridiculous. It makes me mad. That's the only reason why I didn't like the fact they were playing Alabama in the first place. Everybody knows Alabama's better after that game, Jack. I, I can't argue that whatsoever. So your vote would be more of a protest vote. Yeah. You would be sort of like occupy the BCS offices wherever they yes, might exactly. be. Exactly. I, I am so. I, I'm just. Yeah. If you, let, let's just give a tip of the hat to LSU. They beat Oregon, Rose Bowl champion. Okay. They beat West Virginia on the road. They were the Fiesta Bowl champion. West Virginia scored 70 points in the in the Fiesta Bowl. Okay. So LSU's a great team. A great team, and they also beat. The 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 what do you call it the the BCS champion this year Alabama in the regular season so LSU had one of the greatest regular seasons of all time that's the one percent of my argument also coach okay mm-hmm. yeah we talked about that yesterday no question about it. they did not exactly back in what what was your stat yesterday they played seven teams beat seven teams in the top twenty uh, uh in the top fifteen coach wow and all of them were by double figures double digits except for the win at Alabama. Mm-hmm. All of them were double digits against seven top 15 teams. That is pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Big dog, the coach, Jack Washer here, the two guys at a mic show. Phone lines are open, 
4636748. Again, give us a call, talk some football. We'll get to some bowls, NBA basketball as well. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Dog, are you sticking with us or are you bowing out here, my friend? Well, Coach, I'm going to bow out because Jack, you're doing a phenomenal job, and I'm going to break into the Montgomery Ward office, and <laughs> I do it while I'm on air. I think you guys can be arrested for aiding and abetting, so I don't want to have you guys be accomplices. Yeah, okay? I don't like uh, personally. I don't like aiding abetting, though. I've I've always enjoyed abetting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. you well, with your beat the smoke picks, you definitely shouldn't be oh, betting. A betting would be much better yeah, for you. I think All I right, wet. Jack. I think I wet my abetting with my beat the smoke football pick. Hey, before you leave, dog, Jack Washer heading back to college, second semester sophomore year. He's beginning to be ingrained into his collegiate career. Before you know it, he'll be at the tail end, and there'll be no turning back. Words of advice from a guy that was a stellar university class president, Jack Washer, at yeah. McMurray College. He dominated the opposition on the football field. In the classroom and as a student president, well, two out of three ain't bad. Words of advice for young Jack Washer, big dog. And and of the six hot girls at McMurray College, I was there four of them. So here's what you got to do. <laughs> what I want you to do, Jack, is go to the hottest girl in school, go up to her, call her by the wrong name. Like, hey, Sarah, hope you had a great winter break. And keep on getting, my name is Jill. Get back here. And next thing you know, Jack, you'll be on top. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I got to do, my friend. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding around. You guys have a very good uh, day, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Coach, right. I might be in studio tomorrow if you don't have another co-host. Give me a call. I hope the river's not frozen. Yeah, it won't be. All Later, right. guys. Peace out. <laughs> oh, I love the big dog. That's tremendous advice. I was expecting some academic, maybe epithelial advice, but... Uh... <laughs> You get what you get from the big dog. I'm sure your parents are listening and very proud. All right. So we, we leave the big dog, but we do have JW in the house here, uh, talking some college football. Want to get this? You're a big Bulls fan, right? Yeah. A- able mm-hmm. to follow the, uh, the beloved Bull from oh, Missouri? Yeah. I was switching him back in between, you know, BCS, Bulls game. You know, I'd like mm-hmm. to keep follow. You know, when I was at college, they didn't have an NBA season. You know, it just opened up when I got back. It was yeah. perfect. All right, so we got to talk a little bull basketball. Let's finish it up. But, again, phone lines open if you want to check in college football or uh, NBA, any of the sports news out there. Coach and Jack Washer right here for you, 888-463-6748. Any other thoughts on the uh, college football game, the national championship last night, Jack, or any conclusion of the season as a whole as the collegiate football season comes to a close? Well, you know, I mean, once again, there's going to be controversy about this BCS we've had for – was it 12 years now, 12, 13 years? And, you know, finally I saw something. There's going to be a meeting with BCS officials, yep. maybe to restructure their format. I think they're finally, they're light bulb. This isn't working. You know, people are mad every year. You know, we tried the system, didn't work out. You know, to, you know, while we're, you know, you try to get the top two teams, unlike when you would just schedule bowl games, you know, whoever wanted to go to them, you know, top teams, but not like one and two. And, you know, the one and two teams, you know, you may have a one and two team, but you also have an Oklahoma State team that says, hey, we deserve a shot. We lost one game, too. Why don't we get a shot? Um, or you got, you know, Boise State a couple of years ago, TCU, you know, Houston until they lost in their championship game. You know, you got a lot of teams on the outside that want a shot at the national championship, but they don't get the shot because they're not, they don't play the right schedule. They're not exposed. You know, maybe that. You know, is something to tell them, hey, play some tougher teams. Uh, get in a different conference, which is seems to be the trend in college football now is switching conferences. But, you know, I feel a four-team, an eight-team playoff, I think a four-team playoff would be perfect. You know, take the top four teams, 
You leave no doubt. You know, you had Stanford play LSU, uh, Bama play Oklahoma State, winners play the national championship, go from there. So you're saying not play the bowl games first and then after that pick your final four. You're saying pick the final four and make that part of the bowl season. Yes, I exactly. I, I'd say, you know, have uh, – Play Stanford, Oklahoma State, Fiesta Bowl, you know, Bama, LSU, you know, let's go Sugar Bowl. And then they meet in New Orleans a week later. But you're still, you know, David Olson, I don't know how you feel about this, but, you know, all right, so you go to four teams, you're still going to have people arguing. Eh. Right? All right, you see, you haven't solved anything. Now you got four teams, you're playing two more games. Now we get college football into February. And meanwhile, the people in Oregon and Boise State and who else would have a claim to that? It seems... You might get lucky some years and have a clear-cut top four, but there's always going to be teams thinking, hey, we should be in it. You move it to eight teams next? Yeah, but it's, it's the, the trend in college football is like, yeah, you have your top two normally, you know, that people, you know, most of America feels that should be in the national championship. And they're, you know, they're undefeated. Maybe they have one loss, but it's to a good team. And then you got like two or three other teams that are lurking out there. They got one loss or they're undefeated. They're making that push. But they know just no matter what they do, they're not getting in the national championship, that BCS title game. And, you know, this 14 playoff would give, you know, room to those one or two wild cards, you know, as I like to call them. And I think, you know, four teams is perfect because, you know, you know, it's just like two teams outside the top three is like, hey, we deserve a shot. You know, you get the number five, eh, you know, you, you had to, you had to put some work in the season to get, you know, considered for that national championship, but, I think one, two, three, four. I think that'd be perfect. But you know, honestly, I don't see change happening in the BCS anytime soon. You know, I, we're gonna have the same debate every year. But you know, hey, that's just my suggestion. Uh, I, I do agree with you. I, I, I think it's coming because they are having the meeting, and I do think that's what we're gonna see. We're gonna see the upgrade from, or you call it an upgrade. Let's call it a change from two teams to four teams. I personally don't. See a need for that. In fact, I was always a guy. I know I'm in the minority. Uh, I thought the bowl games were just fine. Well, and that, it sounds weird as a sports fan. I've said this before. It even sounds weird when I say it. But sometimes I think we can overrate the who's number one thing. That we have to know who's number one. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's as I age, it eases up a little. I don't have this tremendous desire if two teams finish 12 and 0. And had phenomenal seasons, you know, to have some poll decide who was, you know, number one and who was number two. You know what? They're both sensational seasons. Celebrate. They're both phenomenal. I mean, Oregon, when they beat Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl this year, look at the joy and the celebration from those. They weren't number one of the country, but they won the Rose Bowl. They had a phenomenal season. They finished it with a big victory. You know, that's good enough. Sometimes I think you can overrate having to know exactly. Who number one is? Yeah, I yeah I do agree. You know they did it. I think it was uh, when Nick Saban won his first national championship. He was with LSU. He beat Oklahoma and USC. That was right when they were climbing to the top of college football. They won the Rose Bowl pretty handedly, and they shared that national championship that year. You know AP I think voted them number one. BCS had of course LSU number one with the winning win the national championship. And, you know, those are two great football teams. Yeah, you know, USC was a great team that year. So was LSU. And they shared the championship. You know, they were, honestly, they were, I think they were both undefeated. Nothing you could say. You know, shared a national championship. You both are college football's 
royalty for that year. You know, mm-hmm. two are the top teams in college football. By the way, speaking of national championships, the state of Alabama, three consecutive national championships, Alabama, Auburn, mm-hmm. Alabama. Again, not bad for uh not bad for a state. Yeah. Not bad for a state, you know. Uh, and it, you know, they had a commercial last night. I thought it was kind of funny. It showed the previous five national champions, all from the SEC. And they're like, here's the number six. And I was like, it didn't click right away. I was like, wait, there's two SEC teams playing in the national championship. Mm-hmm. It's funny that they could you, put this you, commercial. You thought they were there. bragging with that sign. Yeah, oh boy, I, that's a little presumptuous. Here's the, oh yeah. And you know, as as a uh, kid who goes to a school that's transferring, not transferring, um, shifting to the SEC, beginning July first, two thousand twelve, you know, I'm I'm happy to see that the conference we are going to has been dominating college football for eh, yeah a little bit of the last decade. Yeah, David, cart those words up and let's play in the Jack next year or two years from now when he visits and their record is like two and seven. Against SEC teams, we'll see how thrilled he is that they join the. Oh, South I don't East doubt conference. that we won't do well. I'm just saying, yeah. hey, we're we're in the best conference in college football, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, a little college football talk. The season does come to a close, as always. You know, basketball, Jack, probably still my favorite sport. But boy, I'll tell you, college football just each and every year is just it's great stuff. Always gives you great emotional stories, great thrills. Upsets is just a tremendous sport, I think. Uh, you know, not just the game itself, but all the pageantry involving it, the way it gets campuses and, and fandoms so excited, sometimes probably a little bit too excited. But uh, you could, you know, like a broken record, I can say it every year, another terrific year of college football. Always a lot of fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. And I love every to every at the end of August, I, you know, I always know it's the first week of college football, and I know I got – Four months of just fun every week, you know, just watching every game, every Saturday. You know, it's just a it's a great time of the year and then the bowl games. The bowl games are what they all play for and you know you know, do they have too much too many bowl games? You know, I think it gives, you know, a team a shot, you know, at the end of the year, hey, we did a good job, we're going to a bowl game. Something for the fans, you know, may not be the national championship, but hey, you know, give a team like Northwestern to go to a bowl game every year. Their fans love that. You know, they want to see that program do well. Uh, I think it's just great, and I just I love college football. Honestly, mm-hmm. always been a diehard college football fan, and I think it will just stay stay with me for the rest of my life. My passion for it. Moment of silence for the end of the 2012-2011-12 collegiate football season. Thank you very much. All right, let's move on uh, to a little NBA basketball. I don't know why, but uh, you know, I, I've watched, quite frankly, very little Chicago Bulls basketball thus far. But I am taping in, tuning in tonight, Bulls versus the Timberwolves. Anxious to watch uh, number one right now, probably the NBA MVP, Kevin Love. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the guy, every time I look on the paper, yeah, 27 points, 17 rebounds, 30 points, 19 rebounds, 24 points, 22 rebounds. Guy's unbelievable. And they have Ricky Rubio, who's pretty exciting guard coming off the bench, but it's the Bulls. Timberwolves, you watch a little more Bull basketball. They're playing quite well, obviously. Oh, yeah, they're you know, a great team. You get the former, the reigning, or actually right now the reigning MVP in uh, Derek Rose. Um, and, you know, they, they talked a lot, you know, during this, I guess I don't know what you would call the off season. Was it the lockout period? I don't really consider that the off season, but they had that that two week period when they signed the signed this uh, collective bargaining agreement. Then they go all right, free agency. 
Bulls got to get a two guard. They need a two guard. That was a big weakness when they lost to Miami last year. They went out, they got Rip Hamilton, a veteran guard, proves he can score, you know, a compliment to Derrick Rose. Proves he can get injured. He can get injured, but he is, he is on the older side. But <laughs> just from watching him for four, four or five games, he's a great compliment to Derrick Rose because, you know, you can just, you throw him the ball, he'll shoot. You know, last year, Keith Bogans, you know, granted he was a good, good defender, but, you know, throwing the ball, unless he's wide open, he's not going to shoot. You know, Hamilton can create his own shot. And then, you know, with the shortened NBA year, you know, you got teams playing two games in a row, three games in a row for the Bulls. You know, they play late last night, tonight, tomorrow night. They got to have depth. And they, you can honestly say with 100% confidence, they got depth. They got, you know, Hamilton gets injured, Ronnie Brewer steps in. Ronnie Brewer, I think, one of the best young talents in the NBA. Underrated. You don't see him, you know, he's kind of a role player. He plays his role perfectly. You know, you got Kyle Korver, Omer Sheik. Taj Gibson that people seem to forget about. He was once the, I don't know if he was the off, I don't think he was a rookie of the year, but he was a very, made like the all-rookie team, very good player. And the Bulls just across the board, I see him doing many good things this year. And um, Talking about the bench mob. The bench mob, yeah. Yeah, and a new member of the bench mob, by the way, is playing pretty well. And again, I haven't watched enough to fully uh, put my critical analysis to work, whatever the heck that is, but John Lucas. Yeah. John Lucas filling in for C.J. Watson, playing pretty well, handling the ball, putting up some points. Well, yeah, you know, Thibodeau um, said, you know, this guy, he could do it. You know, we, we have faith in him. You know, he's been he's been on the practice squad for the last couple of years. You know, we, we trust him. You know, I mean, he's he's been in our system for the last two years. Why not? Give him a shot right now. You know, C.J. got injured. Another guy, by the way, David Olson, John Lucas the third. And we've made like a study of this. There, there's like, you know, there's the original guy, the original John Lucas. It's the same with, uh, Marion Barber, Marion Barber the third. And then there's Marion Barber. What, we, we never know what happens to like number two. You never hear Marion Barber the second. Joe Jackson the second. It seems like that middle person is always missing. Yeah. What happened to John Lucas too? Well, it's his father. They, you know, when he was in college at, um, I think he went to Oklahoma State. He was a great college player. Loved to watch him play. Uh, uh, John Lucas's dad? No, the third. The third, okay. The third, and they would always show his dad. Yes, because you know, he would always be playing so well. Be like, there's John Lucas the second, his father, cheering on his son. Oh, so the dad is the second. The dad is the well, second. That defeats my theory. How do you <laughs> like that? So, but yeah. uh, I'm old enough to remember dad playing for the University of Maryland. He was also. Little trivia question. My memory not usually very effective, but he was also an outstanding. Collegiate tennis player. Ooh, wow. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. That one is John Lucas II. That's it. There you go. Defeats the theory. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got the Bulls taking on Minnesota tonight, coming off a big win over the Pistons. By the way, you're young enough. You can remember a little bit of the Bulls-Pistons rivalry. Uh, you caught a little bit of the tail end, probably can't fully appreciate, but it used to be great rivalry. Pistons used to dominate it. Bulls win last night. I don't know, was it 93-62, something like that. Thirteenth consecutive win. Yeah, the Pistons are over in the a Detroit Pistons downward spiral, and I don't see them getting out of that downward spiral anytime soon. Man, sixty-two so. points. Yeah, They're, not good. What happened to Detroit Piston basketball? It's amazing. Yeah, it's not fun to watch anymore. The the theory is though the way they got the draft choices lined up. You know, if you're bad, you're supposed to be helped out by good. Draft selections, and you know you work your way back up. But the, the Pistons have been down for a while now. 
Yeah, you know, well, unfortunately, it's not like the NFL where you get the worst you, worst record, you get the first pick. There's a lottery, which I do like. You know, it creates some excitement in the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know, they got a couple contracts that are kind of eating away at them. I call them the Chicago Cubs of the NBA. You know, they got, like, three contracts that they're paying guys way too much money. And I, didn't, I think I saw one of them last night, and he came off the bench. And, you know... That's not going to get you a winning program. So, I, you know, down the road, I see them finally, eventually making their way back. But you know, right now, it's just not fun to watch. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. NBA expert Jack Washer in the house, courtesy of a collegiate break. Yes, David. Well, I just I, I, I want to take exception to your little statement there that the teams that are down are supposed to be helped by the lottery. I think with the NBA in particular. That never seems to happen because the teams that are down seem to stay down for a long, long time. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you, but in theory. Well, yeah, I, but, I, but what I'm saying, yeah, in, that's just a theory. So why, or let me ask you this, then, why in the NBA is it harder to dig out from negativity than other sports? Not sure. I, I I'll, I'll give you a real good, a, a real good reason. The, the free agents won't come to those teams. That's a good point. They won't, they won't go there because you, you get these big-name players. It's like, oh, I want a chance to win. Okay, well, yeah, then I'm going to sign with Sacramento. You know what I mean? Yeah. That never happens. The rich get richer and the yep. poor get exactly. poor. Exactly, exactly. Of course, on the other hand, Jack, the old argument is it's easier to turn around things in basketball because you don't need eight or nine good players like in football. Basically, you get one or two difference makers, and, and that can make a huge difference in basketball. Yeah, you know, well, the Bulls. I think the Bulls struck gold. I think it was you know, four, three or four years ago when they landed the number one pick and they got Derrick Rose and they got their foundation. And then they had some guys around him. You know, a couple of guys left. A couple of guys filled in. And then you know he established himself as the elite, one of the elite in the NBA. And then that kind of, you know, what David said, you know, attracted more attention to come to Chicago. Free agents want to come play with this amazing young superstar, you know, Carlos Boozer. You know, he wasn't the top pick in that summer of frenzy <laughs> where he had the big three all aligned and everything. But, you know, Carlos Boozer, a very good player, wanted to come to Chicago. He wanted to win. You know, we paid him big money, and he, he's, he's kind of he's, – he's definitely, you know, uh, showing that he's worth that big money. And, you know, Derrick Rose, another great player. So I feel you get that one player that can kind of attract people to you, but you need that one player – and you know, you don't. I don't know if it's tough to find, you know, like a good top ten pick. You know, it's normally in the NBA. It's like the top two or three guys. They're amazing. The top, you know, towards the bottom ten of the top ten, you don't really hear much about. You know, unlike in football, where you know you just got twenty, twenty-five prospects that are just boom. They're good. They're good. They're good. They're good. Offensive tackle, linebacker, boom. But you know, it's a little different in the NBA. No, because he, he's he's exactly right. Because how many quote unquote foundation guys did the Bulls draft within the first four picks that didn't end up panning out before they hit gold with Derrick Rose? He had Elton Brand, he had Eddie Curry, he had Jay Williams, yikes, Tyson Chandler, Tyson Chandler. Well, but but you know you look at Tyson Chandler now. I mean, still he's a complimentary player. He's not a not a building block. Well, he is a building block. He's not a franchise player. All right, so to sum up our conversation on the Detroit Pistons for all our beloved Detroit fans out there, not enough superstars want to come to play with uh, Tayshaun Prince right now. Yeah. He's Can that a, be safe to say? 
Yeah, he's on the tail end of his career. <laughs> Let's just say that. He had his glory years when they were. When and that's not an insult to Tayshawn. No, I'm just he, saying if he's your best player, you're in deep trouble. Yeah, he's, a, he's had a great career. Yeah. You know, he's just not really that, you know, that superstar player you want to, mm-hmm. you know, build your franchise around. But, you know, you know, one day they'll be back. One day they'll be back. But, you know, as of right now, all right, let's talk a little NFL football, too. Again, one-hour show. we got to keep popping around here. Jack Washer in the uh, house with the coach. By the way, uh, David, Jack mentioned the NFL lockout. And for being our guest today, we do have our end-of-the-year uh, present for Jack, and it is the book, Highlights of the NBA and NFL Lockout 2011. Yeah. It was either that or the other book we can give him is uh, Anthony Weiner, The Year in Pictures. We'll stick with the lockout book. <laughs> That's for being our guest for coming in today. But uh, real quick, your thoughts on the NFL games over the weekend, and we do have to mention the tragedy. The Green Bay Packer offensive coordinator, I guess his name is Joe Philbin, his son, Michael, dies uh, ice fishing. Tragic accident, and uh, beyond the obvious tragedy, that's going to affect the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, you know, uh, I didn't honestly did not know. I, I saw that. Last night, they, you know, um, officers found or located the body of him. They didn't say how, so it's kind of confused. Is he dead? Did what happen? Didn't really get much. Big dog confirmed it for me today. He fell through ice, ice fishing with his buddies. Tragic, tragic. You know, the guy who runs without a doubt the best offense in football. You know, you got Aaron Rodgers and his complement of weapons. Had you heard of Joe Philbin before? You know, honestly, not really. I didn't either. I thought Mike McCarthy was calling the plays, or Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. matter of fact, could probably call the plays and do fi- just fine. That's that's got to affect, uh, well, you know, obviously the X's and O's, the game preparation, yeah. as they meet one of the top defenses in all of football, but also the mental state. From Aaron Rodgers right on down to the bit players in that Green Bay Packer offensive unit, uh, it will have an effect psychologically and preparation-wise. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, honestly, I see the Packers running all over the New York Giants. I don't see the, the Giants ever being in this game. I've never been a big Giants fan, never been a big Eli Manning fan. Ever since he got drafted, he has been enemy number one for me. You know, if you, if you don't like get drafted number one in the NFL out of all the players, you shouldn't be playing football. If what was he, the deal? Refresh me again. He did not want to go to San Diego. He didn't want to go to San Diego for oh. God knows what reason. You know, uh, you just get a chance to play and throw passes in beautiful San Diego. Exactly. You want to go to New York? I mean, granted, New York is it's New York, but I mean, who cares if you're the number one pick? You know, you're the people are considering you the best player in college football or yeah. best eligible player in college football to be drafted, and you're not happy about going. Number one, but isn't it time for a young guy like you to? Uh, I agree with you. Your your upsetness with that is legitimate, but time to get over that a little bit because your guy has proven over what a five, six, seven, eight year NFL career not only to be good but pretty classy guy. Doesn't seem to cause trouble, and so I think he's gotten past that reputation. Yeah, but I still think he's like I, I think he's given a lot more credit than he deserves. Um, he won a Super Bowl, yeah. Um, his defense also won him a Super Bowl too. Um, he was uh, he definitely played a role in there. But I, you know, if you look at that year, he was a very inconsistent quarterback that year, and he still is an inconsistent quarterback. He'll have a game where he'll throw three touchdowns. There'll be a game where he'll just throw four picks, and yeah. people will start to question. You know, 
He's never going to be a consistent quarterback where he straight through the year, he no mistake or not no, not say no mistakes, but no like terrible Rex Grossman 0.0 quarterback rating games. Set the record this year, correct me if I'm wrong, for fourth quarter touchdowns. So he is clutch. He is clutch, but I still, you know, his Giants snuck into the playoffs. You know, they had to win Week 17, beat a Cowboys team at home. You know, they beat an Atlanta Falcons team that is, you know, mm-hmm. Mike Smith. Or he needs to work on his fourth down calls. You know, I think he's 0 for three this year yeah, in the, clutch the, situations. The Matt Ryan quarterback sneak with the two inch vertical leap not your best option. Yeah, Drew Brees though. You saw Drew Brees. I think Woo! that man can get up. Nice. He can get up. From a standstill, nice vertical. Yeah. He's I wonder pretty... how much of that was adrenaline and how much of that was actual vertical yeah. leaping ability. We'll never know. He's that also, was impressive. He's in pads, too, so it takes... <clears throat> the guy clearly not affected with WMD. Yeah. <laughs> White man's disease. 888-463-6748. So you're rooting for the pack over the Giants. Uh, I guess the opposite of the... Again, beyond the, the horrible, horrible tragedy that happened to the uh, the young man and the offensive coordinator's son, it could work in reverse for the Packers in that they will dedicate this victory. Hey, we have to win for the psyche and obviously for our offensive coordinator, who I, I doubt he'll – I mean, what are the odds you think? I mean, he's not going to be there all week, is he? No, he'll probably take the – he'll probably take two, three, three days off. You know, he might uh, – they'll probably let him – be with his family this week. You know, in my opinion, it, you think he'll right, even show up on Saturday, Sunday? I'm, I'm sure they can. You know, they could turn it over to Mike McCarthy, yeah, his assistant Aaron Rodgers to call that offense. You well, know, McCarthy calls the plays. Yeah, he calls the plays. But you know, the offensive coordinator, he's a right. big part of that offense. Right. And you know, you got enough guys. You know, their their hearts go out to him, um, and they they're going to tell him, "Hey, we can do this without you. Be with your family. Our yeah. hearts are with you." But we got. You know, we got a football. You still got a football game to play. Yep. You know, and we'll, uh, we'll win one for win one for coach. Exactly. And you know, it hurts go out to him, but you still got to play football. Um, uh, any other teams you saw over the weekend, or teams that had uh, some of the buys, the San Francisco's of the world, the Baltimore Ravens of the world? Who does a young Jack Washer from the collegiate aspect? Who are uh, some of the teams you think might be able to take it all the way? Well, you know, you got New Orleans. They're always dangerous. I kind of want to say New Orleans, Green Bay. Rematch of Week One uh, in Green Bay for the NFC Championship game. I think that'd be must-see TV. Tune in. You got two great quarterbacks whipping the football around. You know, on the AFC side, you got the New England Patriots. And if you hadn't heard, Josh McDaniels, former offensive coordinator, former Denver Broncos coach, is now teaming back up with his old team where he made his name for the playoffs. Yeah, he is there. really. Well, because if you, because uh, Bill O'Brien right. has been going to pe- Penn State, yeah, so but he's, he's not sticking around for I the playoffs. Don't right? think so, not anymore. You know, he, he's been all over the news. But you can't bring in a Josh McDaniel. He made he he made that offense. You know, he was the but guy. I understand that. I have no problem with him bringing it in. But you're going to bring him in after 16 weeks and another month of uh, of pre preseason, and you're going to bring a guy in now. Well, see, I, I was hesitant to say, hey, well, is it a little late to bring in this guy? But this is the same offense they've run ever since he was there. So he knows it. Honestly, he's not going to be, he's not the head honcho. He's kind of, he's helping out. You know, he's kind of not getting his feet wet, but, you know, kind of getting used to bat, being back in the Patriots system. You know, he's not going to be calling plays for the Patriots. 
you know, not right away at least. You know, he's going to take over that job mm-hmm. next year. But, you know, it's good to have him back there. You know, he's an offensive-minded guy. You know, he's made a couple questionable coaching decisions. You know, he's not really a head coach in my opinion, but he's a great offensive coordinator. The Patriots won, I think, well, I don't know how many Super Bowls they won. They probably won, I think, one or two. Because I know Charlie Weiss was the offensive coordinator when they won. They started winning a couple of those Super Bowls. But, you know, He's proven he can he put up some points when he's the offensive coordinator. So I like the Patriots coming out of the AFC. I think they're really good. And when you have Tom Brady on your side, I feel you always have a shot. I did read a quote where it said, of all the great offensive coordinators the New England Patriots have, Charlie Weiss was the most brilliant and the real creator of it all. And the quote was by Charlie Weiss. <laughs> <laughs> Eight 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 four six three six seven four. And I can't believe Kansas University hired him as a coach. But uh, we got NFL games coming up this weekend. Should be very exciting. Jack, you head back to school. I know the college kids. You forget, but you know they get off. It's unbelievable. You take finals in early December. You come home like December ninth. And I see some of the college kids in the neighbor. Hey, you back at school? Yeah, no, not till Jan twenty two. Like what? Yeah, like a month and a half off. When do you go back? I go back Friday. This Friday. Friday, Friday yep. Friday That's the 13th. And, uh, right. Yeah. So D-Day is coming. That's a long time mm. off, though, huh? Yeah, well, I got back mm, December 18th. Yeah. So it's been a while. And How'd the finals go? Grades? Final, uh, finals went really well. Grades good. turned out really well. And, Outstanding. Uh, so great, great semester and looking to repeat that, you know, so. Beautiful. Excited to get back. Now the you know you got to exercise the body you got to exercise the mind too in the month off uh, any studying or have you been the I've mental been, I've been say I, I call this my mental break you know I get a month off to myself okay. so know. the mind is a little mushy right now it's a little mushy right now so yeah. take a week to get back into right. this well we suggest uh, you know the shows are archived here okay so you can go back home watch the shows on tape shows on archive then David I don't know if we've ever done any scientific studies, but I think listening to the show can prove to be a male brain stimulant. <laughs> little mental exercise will get you thinking. You may agree, you may disagree, but I've suggested often for schools to pipe our show in at various times, study halls, etc., as a both entertaining and educational way of informing the young kids today. Well, I will definitely <laughs> I will definitely try that out yeah. my first week back. You know, we'll see if it uh, works. But yeah. Bring the shovel in, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bring the shovel in. Uh, oh, other NFL notes, by the way, Romeo Cremel, NFL uh, or named head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. And Tampa Bay looks like it's going to hire either Mike Sherman or Marty Schottenheimer. So we got a couple new wow. NFL coaches coming their way. Mm-hmm. And did you see the ratings for the Denver-Pittsburgh game? The highest ever for an ASU wildcard game? That's just a guess. I haven't seen the ratings. Yeah, good guess. I, I can Good only... guess. Now, now I may have you make another easy guess. What do you think the primary reason for that highest rating is? Guy by the name of Tebow. Ah, uh, Tebow. Man, I mean, the ratings were like what is it, like a thirty-four, which is just off the charts. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's. I think you know any game. That's not to sound cocky or anything, but any game that I've other than the Bears, you know, I'm not. You know, like I'll watch other football games because you know I like to watch football. Yep. But this Pittsburgh Denver game, I was looking forward to it the entire week. Like I was like, this would be great. You got the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. You got just Ben Roethlisberger. He's won two Super Bowls. You got, you know, a young coach, Mike Tomlin, proven he's a good coach, and you got on Denver side, you got Tim Tebow, the Denver defense in Denver. Sunday afternoon, CBS, Jim Nance on the call. Mm-hmm. 
let's go to work. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I just it, it excited me. I got ready a half hour before the game and yeah. just did not move from my couch for three hours and enjoyed every minute of yeah, it. Yeah, it was well worth it too. A phenomenal game, great ending, but of course, you know the ratings are based on the people tuning in, and the people tuning in don't know. So you can't say, oh, it got great ratings, partly because of Tebow, partly because it was a great game. Well, people are tuning in, and they don't know that it's going to end on the first play in overtime and an 80-yard touchdown pass from Tim Tebow to Demarius Thomas. So, you know, those ratings are a lot of non-football fanatical fans, some of those average football fans that are drawn in by, it sounds cliche to say, but I'll say it anyway, Tebow mania, but uh, 34 rating, absolutely off the chart. Highest rated wild card game all time. Yeah, you know, well, people are want to watch Tim Tebow. You know, the guy, you know, he makes headlines. You know, it's not like you know, I, I'm do not hate Tim Tebow. You know, he got a lot of. I was going to ask you that your friends, the college age mentality, are they? I mean, pro- it's it's split. You know, you got a, guys who love Tebow, guys who hate Tebow. I'm kind of right in the middle. I don't hate him. I don't, you know, I he hasn't done anything that's pissed me off. You know, he's. A classy guy. He's a, uh, yep. you know, goes on the air. You know, his, all his interviews are really you know nice. You know, he's not like, he's not you know, uh, you know, cocky to the reporters, cocky to the media. You know, he just wants a shot in the NFL. He's getting his shot right now. He's living the dream. You know, he's not your traditional passer. I wouldn't say he's an elite quarterback in the NFL, but he's a game changer. You know, you definitely got a game plan for him. You know, so. I think a lot of the backlash on Tebow is not because of his religion. It's because ESPN is jamming him down your throat. Interesting. That is true. He, he he is getting a lot of attention. You know, one of the buddies tweeted yesterday, tomorrow's sports center is going to be Bama, Tebow, Bama, Tebow, BCS, Tebow. Barry Larkin talks about Tebow <laughs> and the BCS. New Hampshire <laughs> primary is Tebow. All right, we got to wrap it up. Jack, great having you in the studio. Good luck as you head back to the University of Mizzou. All right, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Two guys at a mic. See you tomorrow. Hopefully Joel will be with us. You never know. He's on a canoe on the Chicago River. Hope it's not frozen. Hope it is frozen. Ah, whatever.